Kia ora and welcome to our one o'clock session. We're starting just 15 minutes behind time because of technology, that wonderful thing, but enabling uh, the wiki o te reo Māori kaupapa and special guest, you'll probably recognise him already, Tapete Wihi from the Haka Experience. So thank you so much for being on with us today and Korero Live. Of course, we're going to hear about uh, your story and your te reo journey. So if you would first, um, please introduce yourself for everybody. Uh, so my name is Tapa Tawihi Whānau, uh, born and bred in a small place down on the east coast, Gisborne. Um, Waihirere is the name of it. Uh, 16 houses, a church, marae, and that was my upbringing. So um, yeah, it's an honour and privilege to be here today to support your awesome cup up around, especially for this Wiki Otereo Māori, which is a... Uh, something that's great for all of us as a country and as a people. Māori ora. Māori ora. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, that was beautiful. I love listening to Te Reo in full flight, you know. And um, it's a, it's as much a visual as audio experience for me because of the, uh, the expressions. And, um, yeah, so did you say 16 houses and a church? Oh, we, we, that's we, it, you, man. Uh, 16 houses, church, and um, yeah, that's the name of the place is um, Waihirere. So Waihirere is the name of the, the place I was I grew up in, and yep, 16 houses, a church, and a marae. So that's, uh, yeah, that's me. So that's that's the, the so at least the whanau, but also could be the hapu, um, and that's part of your Yeah, so our hapu. That's that's correct. So hapu down there is um, there's three hapu: Nati Kohuru, uh, Timu Kakara, and Nati Wahia. And those three hapu uh, are a part of the one tribe or the one iwi, which is Tretanga Mahaki. It's a Tūranga tribe. It's a Gisborne tribe, and eight or ten miles just this side of Gisborne. Uh, Neighbouring iwi around us, we have um, Nati Pro to the east. Uh, we have Rungu Fakata and Naita Manuhiri to the south, and to the west we have Te Whakatohia and Te Whānau Apanui. So, I mean, I had a pretty cool upbringing, Ryan. Um, very fortunate to have been brought up uh, in an environment uh, such as Waihire. Um, ko te haka te kai te awi te pō, so we were brought up in the, in the world of haka. Uh, and that's where we were from a very young age. Um, and so in 1981, uh, we moved to Auckland. Um, kind of what a lot of other Māori families did back in the day. We saw the uh, rural urban drift uh, where lots of Māori families came to the big cities to find money to find And um, for me as a young child at that time, it was very sad. I remember leaving home. 
and it was a very sad, sad day for, for us all. But um, still maintaining and keeping the connections home, which is something important to me, and I always go home. I was there actually at the start of this week. So, yeah. Wow. So, you, yeah, you talk about um, 1981 and the move from um, home to Auckland and the, yeah. the urbanisation. You know, people, people make reference to the urbanisation of Māori, and I hadn't until this week when I've been talking to different people picked up that the, the actual meaning behind that is coming from uh, a place where you have your whānau community living and breathing, uh, te reo, and you come to the city, and back in the 81 or or times around that and earlier, uh, that's when you would have hit um, the, the situations where you wouldn't have been allowed to school at school or um, all these different bits of pieces that have come out of people's stories. So when we talk about the urbanisation of Māori, it's also um, almost like the removal of language and identity now when, um, being part of the, I guess, the Pākehā-dominated um, situation. System. Yeah. I've heard you talk about um, some of your experiences at school, and I think these are a great educational points for all in New Zealand to hear. And those that have been on your Haka experience yeah. courses would have heard you, because I'm sure you would have shared it with them. But for those that haven't, um, give us a, give everyone a bit of a, a insight into. Um, I think yeah. it was one of your. Yeah, so, yeah. So um, it, so my upbringing, I mean, I was, very, like I said earlier, very fortunate to have been brought up um, in the in the Māori, in the haka world, as you call it. Um, and then in the 80s, we moved to Auckland. But but I will say, even back home in Waihiriri, um, the real... I grew up at the time where I kind of caught the end of um, the era where the real wasn't strong at all. And so... Um, I don't know if people would have told you, and it wasn't until the 1981, 1982, where the revival of Kohanga came, uh, where they set up play centres around uh, around the Motu, what we call Kohanga and that's where we started to uh, revitalise our language. So we, my generation, missed out on all that stuff as well. We were we were quite lucky at the you know, people around us who could speak Māori. Um, so coming in and. Um, actually, uh, two words uh, that uh, come to my mind when I share that story, that part of it is uh, cultural shock. So I came from a school of uh, 65 kids, um, three classrooms, and we came to Auckland. Dad came to Auckland. Our, our family came to Auckland. And I went straight to Margaret Intermediate, which had 29 classrooms and about 1,000 kids. So for me, straight away, it was cultural shock. Uh, I didn't like it at all. Um, and this is how green I was. This is how naive I was. I thought all the islanders, because we went into South Auckland, which was awesome, but I thought all the islanders in the school were all Māori. <laughs> That's a crack up, eh? Until I kind of noticed that their, uh, you know, their real, their language was a wee bit different. Because back down on these case, it was just Māori and Pākehā. So that was kind of my first engagement with um with with uh, with Pacific Island, uh, same colour skin, but just a different culture and language, and so um, yeah, I mean that was a big shock. Nineteen eighty one, early eighties, coming to the big city, alongside other Maori who were already living, but there were lots of Maori at that time moving to the cities as well. 
And then, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to attend St. Stephen's School out on the Bombay Hills. Māori Boys, uh, a renowned school in its time. It's closed down now. And um, Anglican uh, Church, Church of England, Anglican Church, while well, I was under the Ang uh, Church of England. But um, the, the, the uh, story that I share is, uh, you know, my mass teacher, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard this, he interrogated me every day telling me kapahaka is a waste of time, that Māori stuff that you're doing will get you nowhere, uh, te reo Māori is a waste of time, so leave that behind and move forward. And so, um, I mean, my mother at school, but I don't think this stuff existed in the, in the mid-'80s, which is only, you know, not long ago. And so, um, I mean, of us, but you know. So, is there is there a um, Maori word or phrase for um, racist asshole? <laughs> that's that's what we that's what I think of when I hear the story about saying. I mean, like how how rude and derogatory. Uh, and not how a human should treat another human, let alone a teacher to a student. But what what the um, the, the positive story is from that is um, you know what you have done with Harker taking to the world, and I I sort of love it. Like in my own personal world, I wasn't allowed to do art at school because I was supposedly too intelligent, and the bad kids did art. Um, I ended up. Uh, leaving university after one year and becoming an art director, winning seven awards, doing work for the All Blacks and going back to the principal of my school and saying, look at this, mate. <laughs> Let me do art. So yeah. that's in comparison um, to what you're talking about, your experience, um, because it's for me it's just a school subject, right? It's not actually an attack on my... Um, my ethnicity or my personal identity or anything like that. But you have gone around the world with Haka. You've got who haven't you met? Who haven't you worked with? Like some of the organizations are just mind blowing some of the things uh, that are here talking about. So show yeah. all the cool stuff you've done around the world with Haka. Yeah, well, um so you know there's that teacher and it kinda it's always rung in my ears about him saying that Kapahaka, Te Reo Māori, Tikanga Māori would get us nowhere. Uh, you know, and just listening to it, it was a common thing, man. For us as Māori kids back then, we'd just kind of laugh it off and, you know, carry on. But now that you brought it up, it does make you wonder. Um, Kakifero, anyway, is the name for a racist, whatever you want to call it. So so from school, um, my upbringing, as I said earlier, was I was brought up in the world of haka. Uh, my mum and dad are both renowned composers, uh, leaders within the Māori world. Um, and so we had, uh, that's kind of what grounded us. Uh, so when I went to St. Stephen's, after I, dad dragged me out of St. Stephen when I was fifth form, and he started up a new business at the Auckland Museum, um, doing, uh, for 14 years, doing two shows a day. For 14 years we were there, two performances a day. And it was humble beginnings. Uh, the money that we made at the door was the money that paid us for the week. And um, it was me, my two brothers, my two sisters, a couple of in-laws, and uh, that's where we kicked it off. Auckland Museum, 1986, we kicked off our new family business. 
Because dad, um, I mean, dad was an entrepreneur in many ways. And he knew that we had this uh, this cultural upbringing behind us to the city that was his way of tapping into the tourism industry. Um, make us go down Queen Street, Friday afternoon, in a pew-pew, and hand out brochures. And so this is in the mid-'80s, man, and, you know, we got a lot of abuse. People were hurling abuse at us and laughing. And, you know, so we knew it was bigger. The kaupapa was bigger than than us. Um, and it wasn't until then is when doors started opening for us. So um, Dad's dream was to take haka to the world, and that's the vision of um, of our company today. So the name of my company is Tuihi Haka. The brand is the Haka Experience. And uh, the vision is taking Haka to the world. So we did that. And yeah, you're right. Trev, very fortunate to travel the world. Um, I've danced with the Nairobi Warriors through Haka uh, in Kenya. I've dined with the Vikings in Norway. Uh, sparred with the Sunrise in, in Tokyo. Slept under the open skies in, in the Middle East through Haka. So many, through Te Reo, Māori and Haka. So, um, uh, you know, every now and then I think about that as teacher, about what you see to us as, as kids. And, but most of all, I guess um, I've seen Haka transform lives as well. Um, I'm currently working in, and yeah, you're right, Ryan, I'm in the corporate sector, uh, Vodafone in New Zealand, uh, all these big companies, Microsoft running workshops, but I'm also in the jails, man. I'm in the corrections department. I'm, I'm, I'm in a place, so, you know, you can get all hyped up with the glitzy. Yeah, we've been to New York many times. We've been to Las Vegas. We've travelled the world. But you can get caught up in that stuff, and someone's got to look after our kids, our boys. So I stuck my hand up, and I'm currently working out in Brooklyn, uh, in the jails, using haka as a vehicle to teach the language, using haka as a vehicle to teach tikanga Māori and haka as a vehicle to teach Māori history in a fun and engaging way. And I use that message right across the board, right across, even with these uh, big corporates. Uh, in the corporates, 90% of my participants are non-Māori. I love teaching non-Māori. I, I actually get all, I really get off on it. It gives me a buzz. i got Indians, i got Pākehā, i got Chinese in my classes. And I remember one time we were in Germany and this big German guy, six foot eight, came up to us after the show. And I thought, oh, no, here we go. He's, he's, he's too big for me. And he looked down at us and he said, he said to me, oh, us, I don't know why I'm crying. Uh, he had tears coming down his face, man. And I knew why he was crying, right? He was crying because he felt the wairua, the wairua Māori that Māori wairua, the Māori spirit, hit him be between the eyes. And um, and that's that's what I really love. I really love sending that message. I have, I have people coming up to me after our classes here in Pākehā coming up and thanking me for explaining or, or um, teaching them how to pronounce basic words such as tāmaki, waitemata. I mean, we can be pretty tough on um, us as Māori, can be pretty tough. Uh, on on people who mispronounce our, our names, but actually someone's got to sit down and and take three or four minutes out and just say, "Brother or sir, why repeat after me? Why, why, te, 
te mata. Now say it, waitata, waitemata. There you go, mate. Shake your head. You just pronounce waitemata properly. And so I, I, I that stuff, um, working with different diversity. I mean, like I just said to you, I'm, yes, I'm in the corporate scene, but I'm also in the in the jails, man. Our boys, our kids need us in there. We can't just well, it, shut, the, shut the door and throw away the key. Well, let's talk yeah. about that because that's what part of this is about. While, while there's a real focus on encouraging people to speak te reo Māori and there's plenty of that happening, part of this is to tackle some of the uh, the tough stuff and to educate the rest of New Zealand that they've got their, you know, haven't got their eyes open to it. So 50% of the prison population are Māori and um, mm. ignorant Pākehā like I once was would just say, like ignorant Pākehā do, oh, Bloody Maoris, that's exactly, you know, what's this, you know, rah, rah, rah. And what they don't understand is what it's like uh, to have, to have been colonised. And I don't either, but I can empathise because I think of it as bullying on a scale that is um, your whole race, your whole identity. So I, I got uh, severely bullied um, for, for being fat all through my school years as a young kid for being a fat geek. And it was constant, it was regular for from standard three through seventh form. So I look at it and compare and go, I know what that was like. And I still have moments where I have, I think of certain people from school and I think if I run into them in the street, what would happen? Like I'm scared of it. So I can only empathize and think what would it be like to have my whole identity ethnicity everything about me um, bullied all my life and i can tell you i got in um, more fights than i could handle i got the shit kicked out of me more times than i won um, and then at some point i gave up the fighting because i got the shit kicked out of me too many times and you know, I translate that to 50% Māori in, in prison. I can completely understand because I could have been there if I hadn't stopped fighting. I could have taken it too far. In fact, I wanted to take a cricket bat to one guy. If I'd done that, I probably would have been in jail for, for murder. So yeah. I can you know, transfer my story on a small scale to that of Māori um, on the grand scale. I can completely understand it. And just to cap off before handing back to you, um, I was fortunate enough to interview Calvin Davis a couple of Matarikis ago, and he was talking about the new program that they're putting into prisons, which was originally been like an eight-week pilot, but then they made it a 12-week program, which I think by the sounds of it you are involved in, which was about using te ao Māori, te reo Māori, to help um, Māori um, people in prison to learn about their identity, learn their trio and uh, regain their mana and cult through their culture so that um, they had something, you know, it's like someone helping them uh, yeah. get, get through that situation. So over to you, you tell us what that works like, what the experience is like, some of the things you've heard yeah. from the people you're working with. Give us a yeah. rundown. Yeah, yeah, well, I just, I really want to emphasize the fact that, you know, although, you know, people might see the work that we do, oh, you know, it's all, it's in the touristy, glitzy world, and, you know, yeah, okay, you've traveled the world teaching haka, and, but yeah, I just want to remind them that, you know, I'm also in these places that no, a lot of people don't want to go, 
Uh, tomorrow, I'm back there tomorrow. So I look forward to my Wednesday spending time with these guys. And, you know, I said to them uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, uh, I'll make a deal with you. These are all these these boys. I've got about 22 boys in there. And I said to them, I'll bring in my kapahaka team uh, through the, throughout the wiki or uh, during the wiki to wiki or te reo Māori, but you guys are going to do the pōwhiri and the, and the wero, and we're going to learn a haka, and I'm going to teach you a waiata. And at the end, up your pipiha. So a lot of these boys are Māori, uh, third generation, brought up in the cities, lost connection, uh, lost that whole side, taha Māori side, don't really know where they're from. I asked them where they're from. They don't know. So it's quite a tough job. It's quite a tough job going in there. But, you know, once you get down the down the track, they come from different gangs. I tell them, leave their colours at the door. Uh, you know, we're all in this together. They kind of like that stuff. And um, um, it's it's really with these kids or with our men or with our people that are in the jails, I think what, what they're really screaming out for, Ryan, is connect, connecting. Connecting who they are and ident uh, their identity. The identity is huge. And so I go out of my way. Where are you from, boy? Ah, uh, 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 from uh, the Hokianga up north. So I go out of my way and I go I ask friends, I'm like, bro, give me the give me your PPR from Hokianga. So you know, Kupe, Tangata, Hokianga, Napui the Iwi, Natuki Matafaru. And I go back and I say, Here are boy, here's your PPR. And you want to see the um you wanna see the reaction, right? I mean, that's just a start. And it's making that connection. And, you know, next minute I'll teach them the haka and they'll go rako. And, man, these guys are pumped up. We've been going only three weeks. And they're really, really, really to give their best tomorrow. I said to the uh, the corrections department out there, you need to bring all the hierarchy to this pōhiri tomorrow. And I said, I want to see you all senior management because there's a lot there's, uh, lots of negative corridor about these boys. But you guys haven't seen anything positive. So you need to get out of your office and tomorrow at 11 o'clock come down to the gym and come and have a look at what these boys have, have achieved in three weeks. Because they've, reached, they've just been thrown in there. Ah, you know, moment, waste. Um, next door is the senior jail and a lot of them are heading straight into their jail if they don't change ways. And for me, my way of help is... Um, finding out that connection to who they are and their identity, which is number one. Absolutely. Man, that sounds amazing. So this is 21, 22 uh, guys. And, um, you know, what sort of age you know, range? You know, Ryan, I just wish we could get a, get these. Get, yeah, they're, they're, they're up to 18, 18 years old, but I just wish we could get a, the cameras in and you know documentary and, and but we can't you know due to the fact that they're they're inside there but um i said to the senior management last week also this needs to be videoed you know for their use um so that you know there's evidence of what these boys can do uh yeah they're all 18 um 18 and under one and um i don't mind going in those places and haka te reo maori uh, knowing who you are, identity is powerful for our people. Very powerful, especially for the ones who've been brought up in the urban cities. 
and that have lost that connection home. Yeah. So um, I'm just thinking about uh, the work that, uh, and it's the different work that Dave Latelli does. Um, so this point of connection is, I, I don't know how to get it out there um, louder and stronger. And I've, I've got a few avenues that I'll definitely be um, pushing it. But uh, he's doing work uh, in South Auckland and it's around, initiated around getting um, some people who had uh, become you know, obese um, to actually lose that weight. Now, through the, the system, there's all these textbooks and whatever, and they weren't having an effect. He had effect by having connection with the people. And, um, you know, now it's got to the point where uh, people are listening. So what I sort of want to, you know, see eventuate really quickly, not in 100 years' time, like in maybe days or weeks' time, is the powers to be gaining this understanding through these stories, your story, what you're doing in this uh, uh, centre, his story, and all the other people like you that are having this effect, because that's really the way forward. Imagine how much faster we can turn it around if we stop stuffing about with the old ways that have never worked and start getting on to this connecting people to. Uh, are you who they talking are. about? Are you talking about Dave? La are you talking about Dave? La are yep. you talking about Dave Latilli? Um, yeah. Right. Yep. So you yeah, two. Because no, I didn't hear you say his name, but. Uh, funny. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, funny. We've, we've been talking. We've, Good. We've been talking with each other, and um, uh, he wants me to go out there and meet up with him because it's the same thing. It's um, like I said earlier I said, I teach haka, I use haka as a view to teach the language. Um, tikanga Māori in a fun and engaging way. It has to be. Yeah. Our people are hands-on. We're practitioners. And But even when I go into the corporates, um, some of them are a little bit strange or a little bit weird of my, my uh, teaching style, my teaching delivery, because I'm spontaneous, I'm off the cuff, but I make sure that uh, by the time they leave my class, they're going to be learning something. And, you know, they're yep. waiting for a lecture-type Lecture type workshop. I don't do that stuff. I don't lectures, handouts. Say sorry, sit down. Let's sit in a in a wānanga. Let's all take your shoes off, and we're gonna we're gonna start off in wānanga like how our old people wānanga, which is fakarongo, titiro. Hey, we have a we have a, a fakatoki. Erua na fatu, erua na taringa. Hey, who akina mai o fatu, are are mai o taringa. And the last one, the catch, kotahi te waha, katia te waha, which is we have two eyes, we have two ears, we have one mouth. Open your ears, listen, um, open your eyes, but at most times keep the mouth closed and take it all in. Teaching from the old people. Very wise, very wise. So in terms of this, um, this uh, prison that you work with, you know, in the 20 kids yeah i'll say that kids under 18 yeah um what's the opportunity to scale that you know what what does it take from your perspective and what does it take from uh, i guess the systems perspective i.e how much time I'll tell you you, what. how much time do you need to work with a group and how much time do you have in the day type question i guess 
and then how much can they commit to giving you that access? Yeah, I'll tell you what, um, Ryan, me and Dave, we can make some big changes out there. Um, I mean, the stuff that he's doing with Hauora, with health, so it's all hands-on stuff. I feel I need to be, or not just me, but people like myself, we need to be in these departments, in these big corrections departments. We need to be scattered right throughout, working with our own, working with our own. Um, and same alongside with Dave too, because the work that he's doing is great. So, um, I mean, if you have any contacts, I'd love to. I'd love to get in there, do this stuff. I'm calling now. We'll get into that <laughs> Absolutely. because you know, like um, I, I've I've worked with five different counselors uh, on my bullying. I'm still not there yet like i still don't feel in myself but i was talking to a friend the other day um it might have actually been jared actually on the call uh how i was trying to work out who i was you know i don't have um a moldy fucker papa i don't have anything like that and we have little connection to our ancestors we've got a family tree that we don't even really look at like a book but um you know so it's but through my bullying and loss of self-worth and self-esteem, I, I sort of said, who the, who the fuck is Ryan the Lion? Like, is, is Ryan the Lion actually Ryan the Pussy? Is, is this all some big farce and fake, you know? And I had this, had this sort of moment where I kind of went, yeah, I think I actually do know who I am, and started working through um, almost like a, like a LinkedIn post. I wrote a, a speech about myself about all the different nicknames and things that I was called. And those were the things that I believed I was, you know, um, because I've been told it so many times so often. And that's where my shame and lack of self-worth came from. But then I went, no, um, I am actually Brian the Lion. And what I do is I'm outspoken on the things that I believe in. And that's because of the things that I've gone through in the past. So that, that concept um, of finding your identity, um, is really important, you know, and it's just making me laugh. I'm just having a sort of you know thing about people talk about their midlife crisis and uh, finding you know trying to find their identity, or they found they realize they lost themselves, you know, and that's just on uh, that's on almost like a, a meaningless individual level. It's not on the level of colonization and the effect of having 50% of uh, Maori or 50% of the prison population being Maori, you know, like all of the all the correlations are all there. So, um, you know, instead of instead of putting more people in jail, it should be putting more people on your course. That's the ultimate. Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate. And there's plenty of other people out there like myself doing this type of work. Uh, mental health, um, uh, these alcohol, you know, there's alcohol, these, these huge problems that we have, um, drugs, obesity. And so I believe at the root of all of this or at the root of a lot of this stuff is, um, yeah, you're right, we've become colonised over the years. But most of all for our, and I'm talking for ones that are living in the cities, we've lost that connection um, of who we are, of who we are as Māori, but also of who we are as Tūhui, who we are as Whakatōhi, who we are as Waikato. And um, I tell you what, these 24 Māori boys that I'm working with, 
they told me they, they, they come from three wings and they said, don't bring them together. They're not allowed. And I said, them, I guarantee if you boys together, nothing will go down. Why? Because they're loving uh, the stuff that they're doing, especially who they are and where they're so you know, here's where I'm with Compose Mini Haka. And um, using Haka as a platform to get our message out. Uh, my dad was 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 great composers of Haka. And so throughout the 90s, I mean, we, we wrote, we've written Haka's about Tiri Te or Waitangi. Uh, corporatization in 1988, we challenged the, the Prime Minister back then. Um, in 1992, which means you are your own destroyer. And we turned it back on ourselves as Māori because um, at that time in 1992, Māori women were leading the way in smoking. And so it's turning it back. It's not only blaming the government all the time and Pākehā. Sometimes we've got to look at ourselves and say, hey, uh, 1994, the haka was AIDS at that time. The epidemic was going on. Uh, 1996, Dad wrote a haka. How's this? This cracks me up, this one. It's called Te Kari. He wrote a haka about the FPOS card, saying that one oh, yeah? day it would dominate our lives. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, I mean, I mean, this is 26 years ago, and he was pretty bad on me. Um, some of the other composers are right. Uh, Te Reanga Matua Kuri. Te Reanga Matua Kuri, which was uh, the fatherless generation. And I align that haka to what I'm doing now. Um, we found at that time, and, and we were lucky to have Judge Beecroft come in and sit with us to give us some stats, that 80% of the boys that were falling to the wayside didn't have a dad or a positive role model in their lives. They were either dead or in jail. And so we wrote that haka. Um, their dads were their mums bringing them up. No father figure or no role model in their lives. Uh, 2013, we wrote another haka, Whakamomori, suicide. You know, these these up are huge, and they're up no one wants to talk about, bringing it out into the open. The last haka we wrote, we wrote was 2017, um, Te Manu, which is the black dog, depression, and this black dog that sits on, on your shoulder telling you, whispering in your ear, that you're useless and you're no good and you're a hopeless dad and you're good for nothing. And so we wrote we wrote these hackers because we've come to the I think we've come to the point in our lives, especially for Maori males, but all males, uh, where we've got to talk, man. We've got to talk, Ryan. Absolutely. We don't talk. We hold things in. We hold things in. And um sometimes, yeah. Well, I wanna I wanna take you back through all of those hackers, back to a point that you made that we've got a um uh I think I think you said blame blame ourselves. It's not just about blaming the government or blaming colonization, colonization, blaming ourselves. And this is one thing that I have been thinking about because I look at my situation, right? And I, for years, have been trying to work out why did I get bullied and I I just went into my shell and lost my self worth, whereas someone else went through something terrible and it made them spring to life. Like, does it make me such a? Does it make me even more useless, more terrible, more you know? Good for nothing, and um, you know the. I think what it is is that uh, the way the way I'd like to frame it is that um, 
what happens to a person is a situation of them and the environment that they're in. So me and my bullying, uh, I went, I, I talk about, you know, I went down, I went under, uh, instead of rising to the surface. And um, I could have stayed like that. And I did until 37 years old. I'm 43 now. 37 is when I started making changes and doing something about it. And this is where it becomes um, my responsibility to do something about it. So when I started off, yeah. I was pretty incredible doing anything about it. So I, I like to look at it in the, in the sense that, um, you know, and this is a good time to bring in the Irish potato famine as a comparison to uh, the organization of Māori and the colonization of Māori. You put people into the same environment, you will get statistically the same results. So it's not about because, of, because you're Māori or because you're Irish, um, it's because humans put into that situation. And uh, a good little um, proof of point is the Rat Park experiment. So these are, I'm going to get this into a nice, concise um, article, but um, the, the connection is, is that in the 1960s they did the rat experiment and put rats in cages in the dark by themselves and they drank the cocaine water and got smashed, didn't drink the normal water. And then they, in 1978, an alternative psychologist did an alternative um, example where they did a control experiment and put a, a bunch of rats in an open, like they call it the um, Disneyland of rat parks, and they had colourful things and games and this and that in connection, and they had the same cocaine water and the same normal water. They had a bit of a party, but then the next day they just went back to normal water because they had the connection. They weren't isolated by themselves. They weren't in the dark. It wasn't a horrible, scary situation. They actually had the connection of people coming back to the point of connection, right? So um, sometimes the environmental situation you find yourself in, doing something bad or wrong is the best uh, that you can do with what you've got at the time. Hence, you end up in, in prison or you end up in a situation that's not the best. And you need... You need helping hand um, to then be able to make the decision, yes, I want to do something about this. I want to take control of my life and do something good about it. But if you don't have the right support, um, then it, then nothing changes. And you can't get – I'd say you can't get out of yourself. People say, oh, it's their decision. No one made them do it. Well, in actual fact, yes, the way the psychology of the human works, it, it is the situation that produces those results. So it comes back to you and Dave and, and people like yourself that providing that connection, that real connection, not the textbook connection, but the real connection, that's what gives people the light that goes, I can do this. I want to do this. I don't want to go down the wrong path. I want to be a good person and have a good life. So, yeah, and I guess in summary, there's a, a lot stitched together there. But um, coming back to your question about um, you can't just blame this that we've got to blame ourselves i'd like to say that um it it is a result of the situation but it's a responsibility when given the opportunity to to turn things around and take the opportunity to to, to fix yourself basically sorry that yeah. was long yeah yeah no no that's, no you're right um ryan i mean uh so you know, like I said earlier, using that platform um, as a way of getting our mess the message out. Um, I mean, you know, haka people overseas think it's um, it's just an angry war dance, but it's more than that. 
Um, you know, we haka about whakapapa, ourselves, who we are as a people, our political views, environmental views, um, and that way we're getting the message out to people, bringing people together. And uh, you're right, um, turning it back on ourselves and maybe saying to ourselves, you know, where to from here? Um, we can get out of this. It's like the, the language, Aotearoa Māori. It came so close of becoming extinct, it wasn't funny. Uh, we came so close of losing our language, it wasn't funny. And we were lucky that we had these rangatira who came together and their strategy was to uh, revitalise our language. And now we are seeing, although um, people, the likes of Timo Taritu and those matangareo, those experts are still saying that we've got a long way to go. But when I see our young kids today and my moko and and all these kids that are going through Kurakopapa and, 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 and also the ones that are coming out of the schools, oh man, they're awesome. We've got a we've got a new breed. We've got a new breed. And 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 they're a breed that's um, they, they they don't like you like to be pushed around. Whereas you go back to my grandparents' day, that's how it was. You know, no, 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 we've got to listen to the park here. Whatever the Pākehā says, boy, I can remember these old people. No, no, don't, you know, the Pākehā is right. But that's how it was back then. Yeah. And then we had us, the, the middle generation, but these kids now, and, and kids are learning, you know, they're lawyers and doctors and, and they're in the game. And Absolutely. the most beautiful thing is they're Māori. Māori and, so, uh, and they're not afraid to speak their minds and say, no, no, actually, you're wrong. And please don't don't treat me like that. And that's yeah. how it should be. Uh, we've got a new breed on the horizon, and that's these young kids that are coming through now. It's really awesome. Well, that is that is a beautiful place to leave it. We're just on uh, 2 o'clock. We've got our next um, korero with uh, Ashley Nathan, who is one of the next generation, and uh, you'll probably love to hear that he's leaving his uh, work to go and study full-time to learn te reo Māori and tikanga. Um, so he's Good on he'll, he'll talk more detail, but he's leaving a great career, um, which he can keep alive, which is keeping alive. We'll talk about that as well. But yes, you know, I think just to to recap what you ended there was so beautifully put in terms of the revitalization um, of the Tereo and the empowerment of the people. Uh, so that, um, yeah. The, the status quo of your grandparent or your parents' generation um, is now moved to the status quo of today, which is we won't take uh, won't take wrong being done anymore. We're going to stand up to it, and te reo, and this is what te, te wiki or te reo is all about: is learning and hearing about it and sharing those experiences. So thank you so much. What would you like to share as your parting words in our last couple of minutes? Anything on top of what you've already shared? I'll just yeah, I'd just say, um, you know, to all of us, and, you know, there's many different levels. Some are beginners, some are matatau. Just kia au ki te kakau o te hoi, le anga whakamua tatau ki pai tawhiti. Hold steadfast to the oar and keep paddling to greater things that lie for us on the horizon. Ora mā ko nei ahe, u teitaha ahe, ui, toro me tore,
Beautiful. I was just making sure I had a little bit of connection, but beautiful. Thank you so much. Beautiful way to end it. Nothing more from me. Good See you later, brother. Be soon.